All right, welcome to another episode of the Clay County Beacon Podcast. Today, I am happy to have with me the man that that some folks love to hate and some people hate to love, Roland Mestandria from the Orange Park Town Council. Roland, first of all, thank you for being here. You're welcome. So, first and foremost, Roland, I want to know from you what I want to know from everybody. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Who the heck is Roland? Well, thank you for this opportunity in this forum. Uh, I'm 68 years old. I've been married for 46 years. Um, my wife just retired, a uh, school teacher. We have eight children and eight grandchildren. Six of my children are adopted, and they're from foreign countries. And we have quite a, uh, a blend of uh, families and nationalities. <clears throat> and I love it. It's the best part of our lives. Uh, I owned my own business for over 30 years. My daughters have taken it over. And I more or less am a consultant with them right now, and I help them out in that business. And uh, it's going very well for them. And that's one of the reasons uh, I did get into council, because I have the time now. I'm pretty much a full-time councilman. I can be at town hall. I can go to other towns, different venues, find out the facts. And I've done that. I've traveled all around the state of Florida to find out what our best practice is. And I live here in Orange Park. And the main reason I moved to the neighborhood I live in is I am about a mile from the Orange Park EMS. And as I'm also three miles from the, the Orange Park Medical Center. And I have two daughters that have special needs. Nothing is terrible with each one of them. I feel bad for people that have more serious problems, but they do require uh, medical treatment, sometimes an emergency. In fact, uh, the year uh, past year, my one daughter was rushed to the hospital 11 times, and I like to know that my emergency medical services are at my house literally in a few minutes and could get to the hospital in just another few minutes. And that could make a difference uh, in life and death sometimes because she stops breathing for some unknown reason. So that was my reason for moving to Orange Park. Uh, and that's actually how I got involved originally because this town was about to lose its emergency medical services. And... I got involved and I started fighting to keep it. And I'm proud to say that we regained control of our ambulance after we lost it for just a short period of time. And we now have that back and we're able to take care of the citizens in our town better than I believe any other town in the state of Florida. We're only 3.5 square miles. And again, we have our own EMS in the hospital right down the street. So that was my reason for getting involved. Okay. Um, <clears throat> it's interesting. Yeah, I'd never heard, uh, you and I have talked a couple times, never heard that that particular aspect of your story. Uh, is it safe to assume that you picked uh, 
Florida, because you're from up north originally, right? For the same reason a lot of folks do. The weather's better. You don't have to deal with god-awful winters. Like, is that how you ended up sort of down in the, the southern part of the, the country in general? We ended up here in Florida. My oldest daughter, her husband is a fireman paramedic in Ohio. And before he got his full-time job there, he couldn't get one. The Rust Belt, as it was called, around Lake Erie, population was dwindling, and they were laying firemen, policemen off. Firemen are based on the population and the type of businesses that you have in the area that they service. So it wasn't needed. But Florida then and now is booming. So they actually recruited in Ohio for paramedics. And Kissimmee, Florida pursued him. And oh, okay. Yeah, he, he came here. We came with him to look for a house, fell in love with the area. I could have done my business out of anywhere at that time. So I said, hey, we're moving to a place where it's, you know, 230-plus days a year sunny. Yep, yep. You get a lot of rain with that, but, yeah, a lot of a lot of – a lot of good good weather. Uh, you know, I have some friends that live up in the Nova Scotia area, and I always taunt them, like in November, with pictures of me grilling while they're sitting in you know snow drifts and and can't get out of their house because they're snowed in. Um, so, <laughs> a lot of people have given you a lot of grief about a lot of things in your tenure as uh, councilman here in Orange Park. So I got to ask you the question: Given all that has happened, which we'll get into a little bit later on. Why run again? What what drives you to still be part of the council? Well, I when I ran for office initially, I as I said, it was for the EMS system. But what I found was that there was a lot of things that could be improved in the town. It wasn't like it was greatly needed, but it was things had not moved ahead as fast as I believe they could have, and I thought that I could do a good job because I have the time available, and I do have experience in government, and I've run my own business, and at one time I had seven offices throughout the United States and ran a pretty big budget. So I was used to, as they say, writing my own paycheck. Right. And and I know what that's like to have to be profitable and do things uh, in, the, in the best way you possibly can and have other people relying on you. And I saw an opportunity that we needed more of that in the town. And I'm happy to say that I've been able to accomplish a great deal in three years. And you asked why am I going to run for re-election? Because there's still more things to do. And now that I have the knowledge of what Orange Park, Clay County is all about. I I feel I'm very, very competent uh, and knowledgeable about the workings of the government within the town, county, and state. And we are all reliant upon each other, and you have to get along at all different governmental levels. And uh, that's one of the strengths that I have, and I believe that Running for re-election, I could take all my experience and my knowledge of what I have, what I've done, as well as my business experience and continue to expand upon the improvements for the town of Orange Park. Do you enjoy it? 
Because some of the some of the aspects of government, <laughs> I don't know, man. It doesn't seem like being an Orange Park Town Council person is a very fun job. Uh, but do, do you enjoy it? I love it. Um, yeah, it's uh, it, it's different. And yes, I am different. Um, I don't think any of my fellow councilmen would tell you anything different. Uh, I get involved to do a job. I uh, I'm not always politically correct. I do take some flack from my fellow councilmen even at times, but that's why you have five people on a council. That's what democracy is because you have to convince two other people at least that what you would like to see or you have done is the right thing to do. And I think that's what the public forgets a lot, that on a local level like this with less than 9,000 people, you could literally reach out and touch everyone and get their opinions, their ideas, and explain to them why you are doing what you do. There are some things you have to do because of the laws and requirements that aren't always comfortable to do. But that's why we're here. I mean, the oath that all of us take, the three most important things in that oath is that we will preserve and protect the safety, health, and welfare of the people of the town of Orange Park. And, and I know I, I do that, and I love it. I get a great feeling when I know I've done something right. And uh, I believe I've brought to the town council a lot of discussion and debate that wasn't there before. It was more or less a real quick read it, vote on it, and it's over with. But since I've been on council, I know this for a fact. Every year there's more council meetings than there was the previous year. Every year there's more committee meetings than the previous year. And I know that because my fellow committee members in council tell me that. And that's the way it's supposed to be. It isn't you just meet once every two weeks and vote on things and that's it or you're reactionary. You need to really spend time. You need to really look into things. You need to plan for the future and be proactive, not just reactive. And I do believe, I know that I have led our council and some of our committees to be more proactive and spend more time on dealing with the issues. I, I, I have something I wish that could be different and that is I wish the public would get more involved and learn more about why we have to do some of the things we do and to understand more the uh, nuances of how a public entity like a town council runs and to read our charter and to know why we do the things we do and that's what I plan on doing in my next three years if I am fortunate enough to be reelected is I'm going to spend a lot more time educating, informing, and working with the local people. That's cool. Um, I think that uh, what you hit on is a problem not just in Orange Park, but it's a problem in the county, it's a problem in the state, it's a problem nationwide. People don't understand what the government is, what it's doing, or, or even have enough of a knowledge to understand 
to form an opinion on what, what it should do, right? So there's a lot of people that are uninformed. Uh, it's one of the reasons I started this podcast. I want people to be able to hear from people who are influential in the county and, and not just necessarily influential, but just interesting stories, interesting people. I want people to know things they ought to know about. Um, but but I've always said, and I take a lot of flack for this on, on social media, I've always said that if you don't know what's going on, you should not vote. You should not participate. You The government can do great harm if run by decision makers who don't understand the the implicit and and unintended consequences of choices that they make, right? Um, you know, and I'm I'm very different in a lot of my views. I like what I like about Orange Park having its own governing body is the fact that it it only covers three and a half square miles. It only covers a small amount of people. Like you said, these people are your neighbors. You know them. There aren't there aren't so many that you couldn't during your tenure as a council person actually get to know, at least in passing, everybody that lives here, right? And and hear from them and get their input on stuff. So I think that's cool. I think the smaller a government is and the less people it impacts, the better. Um, and, and I like that about the, the town of Orange Park. So sort of in that vein, my next question for you is, what do you feel like some things that are going well in the town of Orange Park? What, what, what does the town have slash do well? I think the thing that we do best is that we take care of the residents here and their needs extremely well. There's always the people that say this could be better, you spend too much money or they make too much money. But I will tell you that this council that I serve with, um, there's been changes to it every year. When I first came to this council, everybody on it was from Orange Park. Um, Now, I don't believe not one of them is from Orange Park. In fact, we're from different states even. What do you see as the benefit of that? Fresh ideas, new ideas. But we also have all come from, and I know this, we've all come from small towns. Right. So we all know the small town flavor. And, and why it's important to keep that. And, and you know, you asked me something uh, earlier about uh, the town itself and, and why I want to uh, be on council. The reason Orange Park is this separate entity is because we've been able to maintain our independence from the county. There are those in this town that want us to assimilate into the county. They want us to have uh, the sheriff's department, not our own police department. They want us to have the county EMS and fire department, not our own. They want us to have the uh, county service department, not our own. And with the independence that we have, we're able to have all of that. Even our... Uh, garbage pickup. This town has for many, many years had two days a week garbage pickup. And when we poll the public, they don't want to change. Even if they know it could save them a little bit of money, they've become comfortable with what we have. And we have, as I said, one of the best response times in the state for fire and police. We got one of the lowest insurance rates for fire because our fire department, our fire hydrants, and our response time is so good right. 
that we got the best ISO rating that you can have for that. And if we assimilate into the county, we're not going to have that. So yeah, you get lumped in with everybody else then, right? It becomes yeah, a larger correct. I mean, sum total. What is it, 220,000 people, something like that? And we have less than 9,000, right. 3.5 square miles. This is a great life that, uh, that you could have here in Orange Park. And uh, we got to keep it. And, and there has to be some proactive thinking because things are changing within the state and the county as to how funds are distributed. And we are at the mercy of the federal government, the state, and the county as to the overwhelming majority of our revenue. Right. Or if I may say, we're a $22 million budget and only 3.4 million comes from property taxes. Right. The rest comes from revenue that is given to us in most of the part by formulas that are set by the state and the county. That's why it's important to work with these people. That's why it's important to stand side by side with them, not to have an adversarial relationship with any of them. We're all in this together. And if we act that way and operate that way, we get a lot better cooperation. And, And I could tell you that I know for a fact, and I don't think anybody would say anything different, that our relationship in Orange Park with the county is as good or better than it's ever been because we're not adversarial anymore. We filed lawsuits against each other in the past. Yeah. No more. That's no good. More. Yeah, it's, it's all about now cooperation and negotiation. Right. Yeah, I think, you know, I've always said good governance comes from, from uh, compromise, right? You have to cooperate and then compromise and, and you know. Um, you know, I, I, I'm notoriously anti-taxes personally, right? Uh, that's sort of my bent, um, you know, but, but the people of Orange Park, I, it seems like a lot of people live here and they're willing to pay the extra taxes because they feel like they get some benefit from, from being here, uh, you know. But I think what's interesting about that is, you know, everything's up front. So you sort of know going in if you're looking at property or house or business here, kind of what – uh, what uh, what to expect in terms of the tax rate? What do you feel like some things that that could are some things that could be going better? What where, what areas of areas of opportunity does the town have? The 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 town has uh, a couple areas that we can improve on more than we already have in the last few years, and that is as our property values increase in the town. Obviously, that's more revenue for the town. And, and I could tell you that even in the first uh, couple of years uh, under the Trump administration, when everything was booming, our property values in the town of Orange Park went up a smaller percent than the rest of the county in total. We were at the bottom of the list. When you talk Penny Farms, Green Cove, Keystone, Clay County, Middleburg, we were at the bottom. And I think part of that was because uh, we were tired looking. We weren't promoting the town. We were a pass-through. And when you look at the overall situation, I mean, anybody looking for a home, a place to live, think about this. You got an A-rated school system. 
you got one of the best or the best response time for our emergency medical services. You got a hospital right up the street. You got the lowest fire rates in town. Our police department in this town, I think our police department in total is 23 employees. Now that's dispatchers, people that right. work in the uh, station, but we have enough police officers on the road at all times that our crime rate is way down. And again, the response time, you call them, they're there in a heartbeat. So, and we have some of the best parks in the county are right here in Orange Park. So when you look at, and, and we're right off the highways, I-95, I-10, 295, we pretty much have the best of everything here. Yeah. I mean, we have from million dollar plus homes down to 200,000, a lot of apartments. So this is a great, great town to live in. And what we can continue to improve on is continuing to upgrade the appearance of our town, continuing to do some really great civic things together. Like next month, we again have a, a program that used to take place in Orange Park uh, many, many years ago called The Longest Table. And from what I understand, it was at the end of the... Um, was in the fall, ours is in the spring, but it used to be after the growing season was over with, the town would set up tables and everybody would share a meal. That's and, cool. Yeah, one of our past councilmen. Yeah, that's neat. Yeah, one of our past councilmen started that, and this will be the second year for that. We have a farmer's market that I really believe is second to none. We have a fall festival that before COVID, we were bringing in tens of thousands of people uh, for the town and the community. Yeah, your fall festival is probably the favorite thing as a person who doesn't live in Orange Park. Uh, my, it's you great. know, even my daughter, she she just turned 6. She she's been a couple times and she, you know, she even before she could read, she could recognize the sign. She's like, "Oh, they're doing that thing again." I'm like, "Yep, we'll have to go." Yeah, um yeah, so it's pretty that's I, I do love the events that the town puts on. I agree with you about the parks. Um also, I think the parks are pretty top-notch here here in the town too. I think I think a lot of people don't understand how um small, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way, the boundaries of Orange Park are, a lot of people equate Orange Park with um, Wells Road, <laughs> and that's not, that is not the town of Orange Park, right? God, God love the folks that live on Wells Road, but they are not citizens of the town of Orange Park, so I think, um, I don't know who did it or how it came about, I do know that from my perspective, the the sort of public image of the town has absolutely changed. It used to be like, oh, yeah, there's a town there, I guess, whatever. It's all part of Orange Park. But now, like, you really understand the distinction, at least I do, uh, between the town and the rest. Um, I think one of the problems you guys have, uh, and maybe problem is the wrong word, other parts of the county have huge tracts of land where subdivisions can go in, shopping centers can go in, uh, new buildings can be built, and, and new homes can be built. And obviously, three and a half square miles, you don't really have a whole lot of that land, right? Like, you don't really have that same opportunity. So, like, what, what in your mind, like, what's a, how do you grow the town and, and still sort of keep the, what's cool about the town is the hometown feeling, the small town feeling, but you know, every town wants to grow. You don't want to be stagnant. You want to be a town that attracts new people and new businesses. How, how do you do that? How do you plan for that sort of growth, but still keep the things that people like about the town? Well, one of our biggest accomplishments is that we completed a visioning study 
called 20, Visioning 2040 to take us into the future. And you're right, we don't have a lot of empty land to build, but we have more than people realize. We have uh, 10 acres of land on Kingsley that's going to be developed very shortly. We have had people come to us that have multiple acres along DeBerry and Kingsley that they want to develop. And you wouldn't know the land is there because in front of it is a house that turned into an office and behind it are acres of land. Right. And then you have, we go to Wells Road at the railroad tracks. Right. We have the old Everest College that's vacant and been vacant and all that land. There's a warehouse, an old warehouse behind the hotels on Wells Road that sits on 33 acres of land, does have a 100,000 square foot building there that only part of it is used. It used to be a grocery warehouse. And the property just sold last year. Oh, wow. So I'm thinking somebody's got to look at the taxes they're paying on that and think, we could move to a much smaller place. What's going to happen with that land? Right. Then we also have the old kennel club, which raced dogs, and you can't do that anymore. That's 17 acres of land. Oh, really? Is it that large? It's that big, 17 acres. Yeah. And and, and the important thing here is, and, and people have to understand this, you can't say, you don't want this type of business, you don't want that type of business, unless you can somehow work that out with the legal system to make sure you can do it. Right. And that's one of my... Because you can't discriminate. You no, can't just you say, we don't like your kind here, don't come around, whether it's your kind of business or, or kind of people or whatever. Uh, I think that leads into to a good topic. Um, one of the things that <laughs> that people have... I have heard people say about you is that, oh, Roland just wants Orange Park to be a gambling mecca. What is your stance on, like, gambling, the the, the status of the, the gambling businesses that are here and, and the future of that business in the in the town? Boy, am I glad you asked that because you're right, and that's the exact words that somebody said I quoted, gambling mecca. Again, this shows that nobody bothered to look into it. Nobody bothered to ask me. Nobody looked up the information. The gambling is controlled by the state of Florida. Right. That poker room was given uh, the rights to have that years ago, and all it can have is certain types of card games. That's it. Right. It so there's no slot machines coming. There's no, no okay. No right, roulette wheels, right. no no other type of gambling. And And what they don't realize is that as of last year, any changes – in the laws or types of gambling now must be approved by a majority. Actually, I, th- I believe it's 60% of the voters. Now. Yeah. I think it has to be a constitutional amendment in the yeah. state to change yeah. the gambling laws. I could be wrong about that. Don't quote me on it. Don't, yeah, I th- don't, I th- don't hit me up in the comments when I post this interview yeah. about how I'm wrong. I could be wrong, but it, yeah. it is a high threshold. It's not just Very a simple high. majority. I know that. Very much. high. Yeah. So it can't be anything more ever. What, I would like to see there, and I believe is going to happen, is that the card room, that's in an old building built in the 40s. That building and that structure probably will be demolished. And in order to use the land properly, they'll move 
I believe that section uh, to maybe one of the corners of the property. Yeah, you would think so because they have those big indoor grandstands yeah. uh, overlooking the dog track that you can't use anymore because dog racing no is more. illegal, it, which I get. Like, I, you and know, the track. Yeah, the track. Like, there's a lot of, yeah, I, I never, I, you know, I never would have thought of that. Do you, do you think there are, I wonder what ancillary like businesses can be added on to that, that property? That's uh, it's, it's zoned and has been zoned for a long time. And if anybody looked into it, they would know. It's owned what is called the highest zoning in the town, called commercial intensive. Okay. That means you can go up five stories. Okay. That means you can have density rates of, I believe it's up to 20 units if it goes residential per acre. Okay. Um, signs can be much higher and bigger than in other parts. And this is something I'm very proud of, too. It can have just about any kind of business you can think of that is legal in a commercial intensive piece of property. Two years ago, I introduced to Council and Planning and Zoning a list of 18 what is called conditional uses that I said I wanted the town to consider putting these in specific categories or ruling them out that they could go into anything that abuts to a residential property. Right. And I'm happy to say that a majority of what I suggested passed and even a couple new ones were added to it. And that is going to keep out things like car dealerships, which could have gone in there. Oh yeah. That's a, yeah. yeah. Terminal warehouses right off 295. Let me ask you, well, let me ask you a very specific one. Some, somebody sent me a message and they said, that they think that the town council, it wasn't just you, wants to put strip clubs on that land. They that they want to demolish that building, put a put the gambling in a smaller building, and put strip clubs. Is it the way that it's zoned? Could a strip club go in there? No, that's that's, that's one of okay. the conditional uses gotcha. that okay. had been there before I gave my suggestions. I'd like to take credit for that one, but it was right. Yeah, it it was there. So. Those type of businesses can't go in there. But, but I think the public needs to know this, too. When that poker room was approved, and at the time it was approved, the town had to approve it, and they did. It was a three-to-two vote. And the if you go back, read the minutes, or listen to the tapes, people were saying this council chambers were jammed. They were out into the parking lot. There's going to be prostitution. There's going to be loan sharks. There's going to be a high, high crime rate. Is any of that true? Did any of that happen? Not any of it. In yeah. fact, the police chief will tell you that he has less problems at the do- at the uh, poker room than he does at any bar in, on Kingsley Avenue or on uh, Route 17. Well, I'll tell you, I, I've, I've only ever been to that building one time. Um I didn't actually do any gambling. I was with a friend of mine who wanted to go and put a bet on the, uh, what do you call the, the Kentucky Derby. Um, and, and let me just tell you, they've got, I don't know how it is now. This was years ago, but if it's like it is now, if it is now, like it was then they've got security there and there is nobody, there is nobody messing around in that building. If you aren't acting right, if you're doing something, you you don't need to be there. They don't let you just hang out there and, and act in a way that, that, you know, 
is not how they want you to act. So I don't know. I, the few times I've ever been in the parking lot, there's been other events. That I guess people have used part of that property for events. Sometimes even in the evening, I personally have never felt, you know, unsafe. I've felt more unsafe in certain parts of Orange Park that aren't in the town of Orange Park than I've ever felt anywhere near that, that poker room slash dog track complex. Oh, they keep it uh, very safe, well lit. Uh, the people that own it and, uh, and run it, um, they pay to the town about $400,000 a year in tax revenue. Yeah. Number one tax revenue for the town is that yeah. park or that, uh, that poker room and dog track. So they're a good business partner. Um, I can tell you that they're the number one employer in the town, one of the top in the county, and they always try to hire somebody from Orange Park first, the county second, and then they go outside of the county if they can't find somebody here. So they're a great business partner uh, to the town. And quite frankly, I'm looking forward to working with them on something I'm sure that we will work together on, compromise, negotiate, and come up with something that'll be good for the area and the town and the property owner. We have to remember, they have a right to develop their property. We just have to try and make it the best we can for all parties concerned. Yeah, and that, that's a uh, that's a big uh, talking point that I have in a lot of conversations with people, especially, I know it's not Orange Park, but in downtown Jacksonville, there's this whole movement where folks that live in Jacksonville want to force people who own old buildings to never tear the building down and never renovate it and never change it. They, it has to say exactly like it was when it was built 100 years ago because it's historic. But ultimately you know, property rights sort of form the basis of, of, of all rights. And I could go on a whole diatribe about that. Um, but, but you're right. You do at some point, if it's not illegal and uh, somebody wants to do what they want to do with their property, there's not a whole lot that the government should really, that really can, the government can do, or should, honestly should be able to do like, I agree. Um, and, and you talked about the, the, the look of the town. Um, I tell you that property is immaculate. You drive by that place, like, you know, the old the old thing you hear is always a bunch, you know, the, the old wives' tales you hear about, it'll bring crime, it'll bring this, it'll bring that, it'll be terrible. I'm, I'm t- I know you drive past there, it's well lit, it's bright. They've even, I, I think just in the last, what, 10, 15 years, they've repaved their parking lot like three or four times. Like it looks, and, and, and you know, that seems like a silly thing, but when you drive by it, it looks fresh and clean and, and nice, right? Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, I personally don't do any gambling because... I'm not good at it, and I'm poor, uh, and I don't have any money. <laughs> so, but but I, I don't know, man. You got to let people live their lives to an extent, and and like you said, if they're paying that much in taxes, you would think that that I, I'm not saying you you use public money to help them or anything like that, but you would think you sort of give them some. With the way they run their business now, the way they run their property, you would think that the, the the town would hopefully trust the people who own that business to do the right thing the right way. I think it would be cool. People, if you own, whoever owns that, if you're listening to this, I think it would be cool to see some sort of an event venue down there. Um, take that property, put like a very small, you know, some sort of a, I don't want to call it a club, but like a, a smaller version of Daly's Place like they have in Jacksonville. Something where like 
you know, mid-level bands can come and play a show, you know, so that, like, right now, if you want to go see a band play, there really is no place in Clay County to go see them. The Thrasher Horn, maybe, but that's really more geared towards classical stuff and, and certain types of things. But if you want to see a band play, you got to go down to the, the, the arena or Daly's Place, or you got to go out to St. John's County at the, the amphitheater Veterans out there. Stadium. Yeah, yeah, you know, you got to, so, uh, to me, that's what I always thought, like, it, now that you're talking, like, that much land, that'd be kind of cool, but, you know, whatever, it's their, their well, property to do with what they want well you know if i may say something and you know and what you said brought this to mind is that that property that he has owned uh, those people have owned across the street from it is brooks rehabilitation right that was kennel club parking at the oh time. was it i didn't yes. know that and he you know he gave that up and we got a great uh business in there now yeah. and where we have um, behind, and, and this goes along with other property for sale, a lot of people don't know there's acres of land yet behind Wawa. That, uh, Is there? Yeah, there's a hotel that has was thinking about making plans to move there before COVID. Oh, and okay. then financing fell through right. with, every, you know, you weren't going to put a hotel up when nobody's staying in the ones that exist. Yeah, you're not going to put that, no, you know, so. millions of dollars in cash outlay on a, yeah, so that, that you don't know you get it back. Yeah, yeah that, that went by the wayside. But but something else that people don't know because he, they don't publicize it, I will tell you that the charities that the Kennel Club has donated to in Clay County are incredible. And I will tell you that one of them right here in Orange Park, I'm not going to mention their name because he keeps it private, and that's up to them. Yep. But he has helped a lot of disabled uh, over many, many years, and some of the things he's done have been incredible. And he does it just as a good just business partner and neighbor right. of the town of Orange Park. And as for nothing in between, but... The, the thing that happened there when they wanted to put in the poker room, all the misunderstandings, the fear-mongering, is similar to what just happened at Orange Park Plaza. Right. There's a handful of people who get so, I, I don't know what the right word is, caught up in their views and opinions, and they will scare people with their scare tactics and never bother to look into things, but we'll just say it's going to devalue your properties. Um, I yeah, think, before we get too far down that, yeah. I, don't, I don't want to interrupt you, but I want no, to set fine. this up right. So I, I want this, you know, to be an opportunity to, to for you to, to clear the air a little bit on your perspective on the Orange Park Plaza. So my first question this is a question that I've asked a lot of people, and, and, and no one can seem to succinctly sum it up. Give me, as succinctly as you can, what the heck is this proposed thing going in that's called the Orange Park Plaza? Okay, the, the Orange Park Plaza, what they've said they would like to do there. Now, remember, they can do an awful lot of things from, you know, A to Z. Uh, but what they wanted to do originally and, and had COVID not come and the delay in the town approving that uh, change in that property caused the financing to fall through like everything fell through after March 16th last year. Okay. Um, 
the original renderings and pictures were of a beautiful uh, development. Anybody who has seen Tapestry Park okay. in, uh, off of uh, Southside, the the stonework, the cobblestone. So it was supposedly that lights, style of... It was that style. They, they brought the drawings in to show everybody. And as a matter of fact, they held a meeting because it would hold a couple of hundred people at the dog track in their big right. banquet room. And they brought engineers in, architects, and they had drawings on the board, these four-foot by three-foot uh, renderings of what their plan was at that time. Right. At that given time. And at that given time, it was a $70 million project that would have brought into the town alone about 700000 the county about the same, and the school system more. Because remember, that property brought in zero dollars before that. Yeah, how long has that been sitting vacant? It's at least ten years at this point, right? Like it's got well, close to ten years. A church, a church was using it in that ten-year period. You're okay. right, and they never expanded uh, like they wanted to, but they did get a private school in there, a charter school, right, and got a lot of money from the state and the county, and because of mismanagement, it was closed down. Oh, that's the one that the state came in and actually shut down, wasn't yes. it? Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yes. Okay. And, and when that shut down, it eliminated a lot of the uh, revenue that was coming into the church that was utilizing the church itself. And during that same time, the pastor of that church, which you hear a lot of untruths about that, too. They just don't know the facts again. She tried to, con- to go forward and buy the property, and the price at the time was three point seven million. Ooh. Yeah, and uh, but you know what is valued at now? Five point three. Two years later. That's wild. Yeah, and all the properties around it have gone up. But if you would have listened to the people, they said it was going to go down. Uh, so what had happened was she she was negligent in her payments to the, uh, I believe it's Pentecostals that owned that, owned it at the time. And the Pentecostals eventually chained the doors on her, literally chained Uh, and kicked her out. So she then went to a developer and tried to work out a deal where the developer would buy it and partner with her. And she would keep the church, huh. and he would take the rest of the land, they would, and build on it. But again, I mean, this is inside baseball, but this is fact. The Pentecostals had had enough and said no. If she's involved in anything, right. no. Yeah, we're not, we're not down with her. Right, so that whole deal fell apart. Then the, in, the developer was approached by the Pentecostals and said, if you want the property, you could have it for the same price. And that property was valued at 3.7 years earlier. Right. And they never changed it. So he bought the property. And it was never HUD housing. If that's something you wanted to ask me, you should, because there were letters, there were 
pamphlets handed out, phone calls made that we were going to have HUD housing on that. No. Yeah, it sounds like, you know, from the way you described it, it was originally planned to be essentially, you know, a few stories tall. I don't know how many, three or four, I guess. Three. Three stories tall. The bottom would be businesses slash restaurants, and then above that would be condos slash apartments, right? So, so sort of a mixed use. Um, yeah, and if it was like Tapestry Park, Tapestry Park's a beautiful place to live. If, if you know, my wife and I didn't have a kid and didn't care about, you know, That's the, people the terrible Duval County school system, we, you know, that, that'd be sort of a cool place for, for us to be. Um, so, yeah, that is a good question. So, it's not HUD housing. Is it, was it in any way supposed to be low-income housing? Not that HUD housing or low-income housing are a bad thing, but was that part of the plan originally ever? No. Is um, that part of the plan now? No, but okay. it was part of the... Uh, pastor's plans uh, okay. when she had rights to the property. In fact, the pastor is, I believe, the regional director of HUD housing for Northeast Florida. Oh, so okay. not only a pastor, that wow. may be how HUD housing got into the words that everybody was using. Interesting. Yeah, but, okay. But the developer... No, in fact, at the time, and like all this has changed now or could change, his medium price for a two-bedroom apartment was going to be about sixteen to seventeen hundred dollars. Three-bedroom was going to be two thousand to twenty-one. Hardly uh, low-income rents. Right. He did say. Uh, he talked to the people at the military base because he's built military facilities before around the country for housing. He told the military that if they uh, would send some of their people this way and they needed it, that he would allocate 30% of the housing, at least, for military. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I haven't heard that. Yeah, in this room that we're sitting in right now, the commander of the base, the former commander of the base the admiral that lives in Fleming Island and a couple other military people were right in here and committed to that development that they would put their people in there because under the Trump administration, when the veterans were given a lot more things, if right. you will, yep. when nobody wanted to rent to military people before because they could go out on deployment. Right. But now I guess the rules are the, the, stipulation is that they will continue to pay for that rent while that man is on deployment till the end of the lease. So yeah, which makes sense. No landlords have to worry anymore. Yeah, and I don't. I think the, the landlords worrying was overblown. I think that's sort of a, there, there's a lot of old wives tales. Uh, you know, even with this Orange Park Plaza thing, I, I think there are some legitimate concerns, there right, are. about the Orange Park Plaza. Um where, where does it stand now? Is there like a date where they're going to break ground? Like what, how, like how close is this thing to coming to fruition? Well, not to get in the weeds and the minutia of all of this, but when Orange Park slow motioned everything into place, COVID came literally a month later. Banks pulled out of right. the financing and they had to rethink their whole process. So 
this is it in general. And I know the particulars of it because I wanted to know. And I called everybody. I'm a guy that's hands-on. The One of the financial investors in this project, a significant portion of it, um, was given, no secrets here, 12% a month for his investment. And at the 30 days after the transfer of property, he would be given a balloon payment for all that he had in it. Not bad for the amount of money, 12%. Yeah. Remember, interest rates back then were what? One? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a nice investment. Yeah. But what happened was, as the property went up, because of the economy in general, and an Orange Parks property now is right there with every other county, a municipality in the county, our property is going up that fast. Yep. Last month, it went up 13 13.4%. Yeah, the, the, the real the estate market is hot. Yeah, like it is, it, is, it is a seller's market oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he decided he wanted the difference between $5.3 million and um, the 3.7 for his large percent of the investment. And the other investors said no, and it ended up lawyers talking to each other. And as a matter of fact, probably before the middle of April, uh, a negotiation is taking place. And I believe there's mediation involved now that the courts have right. requested. They'll come up with something and probably well before the fall, we'll see groundbreaking, the buildings coming down. Now the $70 million project is no more. It's down to about a $45, $50 million project. That's now. still pretty significant though. I mean, it it's is. not as good as what it could have been, but yeah. It's, it's, it's significant, but it's toned down too because we as a town asked them to tone it down. Right. They have the right to do certain things there, but if they want to get along and be a good business partner, we can and we do ask for cooperation. Right. The people didn't want the parking garage. So okay. we asked him, would you eliminate the parking garage? He said, if I do, that means I have to have more surface parking to meet the requirements. Right. So I'd have to cut down on the commercial and residential. We said, can't you just cut down on the commercial, keep the residential, and we'll give you some allowances for landscaping, no money involved. We just give them different types of uh, requirements. Right. And we were in the stages of putting it on paper. We asked for nine other concessions. He agreed to every single one. Yeah, so this guy's not this guy or group of people, whomever it is. It, it, to me, and I don't live here, I don't live and breathe the, or the town of Orange Park. To me, it does not sound like they're trying to come in and railroad the other citizens that are here. But, it, you know, I, I want to clear the air on something else, too. You know, people have, have said a lot of things about you and your involvement. Um, one of the things you've said is that, oh, well, Roland somehow brokered this deal on the back end, and he got these people together. Is that true? No, absolutely I not. didn't think that it was. What this is, you know, the more I look into it, somebody owns some property, 
developers saw that this person owned property, they worked out a deal. The people who own it, the people who wanted to develop it. Uh, and, and like you said, the town has limited rights to, to, that they can impose on the property owner and the developer to say you can or can't do this. And with what you've just said, you've made, you know, a hand, I would say a considerable amount of concessions. You asked for a considerable amount of concessions, and they didn't balk at any of them. They said, okay. Yeah, you know, and, and I think that's partly – it's probably partly because of the uh, the economic environment that COVID has created, right? I think they've sort of, of it is read the room a little bit. So I think that the town probably is benefiting a little bit there. But, you know, there are some folks who have legitimate gripes about this and they have concerns, they have questions, right? It doesn't necessarily mean they're right, but they're, they're, they're looking at it critically and saying, we have concerns, right? And, and those concerns should be listened to. There are some folks, let's just be honest, there are some folks who don't want poor people to come into their town and lower their property values and clog up their roads, you know, and, and I'm not going to name their names. They know who they are. Right. Um, and and those folks, if if that is your concern with, uh, with this development, I, I I don't know, you know, personally, I I don't know what else people need, need to be told about it. You know, so many people have said exactly to me what you said. It's not HUD housing. It's not low income housing. Not that there's anything wrong with that. People who don't make a lot of money need a place to live sometimes, right? Like, you know, we can, that's a discussion for another day. But um, so it, it sounds like once the litigation between the parties involved, the developer, the owner, all the investors, once that is settled, it sounds like at that point, probably a, a more concrete set of dates in terms of groundbreaking and, and, construction will happen is that what i'm hearing you say yes and and new plans will have to be drawn up he's going to need a site plan and we're going to have to approve of it so the flavor of it uh, the type of architecture will remain right but it'll it'll be uh different uh in size And, and and a good thing about it is those conditional uses i told you i was able to get through council that's going to pertain to that plaza. No That's li- good. No liquor stores, no massage parlors, no tattoo parlors. They can't do any of that there. So it's going to be a really nice community location. And, I, and I'll tell you one of the other reasons this gentleman's company is so uh, cooperative. Uh, I, I get criticism for this, too, for working with the county. This developer and his investment group are already looking at land to put offers on in Clay County. Yeah. And Clay County now has to do all the building permits for the Orange Park. Right. They do the inspections, they do the permits. So he wanted to meet everybody because he knew he was going to be working with them. And through that, he met the commissioners, he met the county manager, and they're talking about land in Clay County by the new area, Green Cove in particular, right. where they are going to build some similar type developments. Yeah, it's going to be, uh, for people who don't know, uh, I believe, Roland, you're talking about the Governor's Park development that's going in yes. into Green Cove. Governor's Park is a huge development uh, that is being developed by the same people who are involved in the Nocatee development out Correct. in St. John's County. Um, you know, that that is a, <clears throat> it's hard to describe how much of a game changer for that portion of the county that that development's going to be. Now, 
a topic for another day is I've got a lot of questions about folks in the county in positions of power who are involved with the land developers and the people who are coming and doing those things. Uh, you know, so if those folks are listening, I know who you are and, I, and I'm on to you. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have some conversations, uh, you know, about those things in the future. There, there's a lot of things that are going on there that I don't know not necessarily the development itself, but the way that things are coming about that I don't know are healthy. And, and I think that's, that's the people, that's what people are trying to, that maybe let me phrase this more nicely. I think there are people in the town of Orange Park who believe that something nefarious is happening with yes. this Orange Park Plaza. Uh, a lot of people have said a lot of things about you in particular. Um, you know, how does that, you know, and people are going to, people are going to, I'm going to hear it about this question I'm about to ask you, but I'm going to ask you anyway, because I think it's valid and I'm curious. Roland is a human being. Like Roland is a person and a lot of things have been said about Roland and you know, Roland has given his fair share of, of saying things, but like how, like how has that affected you personally? How does that make you feel when people are like, people are using you as a punching bag, man? Yeah, it, it, I'd, I'd be lying if I said it didn't affect me. The things I hear uh, people say right in front of council, what I read on the various websites, um, I just put out a piece of material to the residents in Orange Park that said, don't believe fake news and lies. And I list everything that's a fact. And I know that won't get to everybody, but um, I mean, my wife has been in the grocery store and she says people ignore her now. They used to say hello and hi. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, it is. And, and I, and I got to tell you. Uh, because she's not you. No, like she, even no, if you, leave the family. Well, even if you it. were. Yeah you know, the worst politician in history. And I don't think you are like, I, you know, you don't, you don't govern the way I would govern, but nobody does. Like I'm very different. Right. Like, but you know, I always, I try to tell people this all the time. <clears throat> if you start arguing about the person and you start name calling and you start slinging back and forth, like, Oh, well you're a terrible person or you're an idiot or, or whatever you've, you've, you've lost the, the essence of what, what's important in conversations. If a person has made a decision that's not good and you have a problem with it, talk to them about that. You don't have to necessarily name call if they've done things that aren't, you know, talk about the issue, talk about the problem. You know, when people start name calling, and, and I think there there's a crux of, you know, people that, that seem to, uh, a lot of folks want to chirp about a lot of things and nobody wants to actually, I will give you credit for, for one thing in particular, you are not a man who will not answer a phone call or a question, right? Uh, you know, for, for, for all your, whatever your faults or flaws are, not talking to people is not one of those flaws. Uh, and I, I had somebody say to me uh, in the, the lovely Orange Park Hub group, shout out to all, the, all, my, all my peeps in there, you know, all these things about you supposedly breaking campaign laws by using uh, mailboxes and all this other stuff. And, and he wanted me to come to this interview and say, hey, Roland, why are you breaking the law? Like, that's not a question I'm going to ask. Like, because what sort of an idiot, if they did break the law, A, would answer that question truthfully. But my response to the guy was like, that sounds like a thing you need to call him and say to him. Um, you know, and I, and I told the people in that group, and there's a lot of folks that have legitimate concerns and questions, you know, give me substantive questions. And just for the record, Roland, I want you to say, I'm going to ask you this question. Did I give you ahead of time any of the questions that I would ask you? Did I tell you all the different questions that I, that I was coming with and prepared to ask you about different topics? We talked about topics, right? But yes. I didn't tell you the questions no. and I didn't give you any prep time. No, you did not, but you did give me a coffee. I did give you coffee. <laughs> so, you know, if Roland's a little tipsy, you know, yeah. maybe, maybe I slipped a it, little something in the coffee. You know, room. Josh, if I may, uh, what you said about answering questions, 
everything that took place with this Orange Park Plaza, um, in part was because of fear and unknown. And if people would have asked me, like you said, or listened, um, it would have worked out. But I personally held six town meetings and I sent out at least that many emails to about a thousand people I have on an email list where I explained what was the truth. But, but I have to say this, there's a special small interest group who basically, I, you know, I call them the keyboard warriors. They go back and forth with each other and they thrive off misstatements and I got to say it lies and every one of them I have publicly asked for on websites in emails phone calls in person I said I will meet anybody anytime anywhere you even pick the mediator I'll bring my facts you bring yours and let's talk about it because you're wrong and do you know that I have never been taken up to do any of those with any of that small special interest group? And I do believe the reason is that, in a sense, some of them do know the truth. But if they get it in a public-type venue, they can no longer spew right. the false facts. Well, people aren't as brave in person as they are. No, online. It's, and, and it's why, why do you call them a special interest group, though? Because people ask me to ask you that question, and that you know, yeah. I, I am curious as to why you well, use that term. They, it it started off with some people that live in that area where the Orange Park Plaza was uh, is to be built, and and I sympathize with them because it is going to have an impact on them in some ways. There's no doubt about it. Anything that goes in there is going to have an impact. Um, in fact, the hospital is now ripping out another 15 acres just right up the street, yep. a mile up the street. Yeah. What are they going to say about that in the traffic? There's three office buildings that are to be built in Clay County just up the street. Again, yeah, the first the first Coast Expressway is coming, you know, less than coming. a mile from my neighborhood. I hate it, but what am I going to do about yeah, it? Like, what yeah. are you going to you going to tell these property owners that they can't exactly. sell it to the state to build what they want to build? Yeah, I mean, it, you know. it's going to happen. So, I understand it. They were concerned and worried, and then the negative people and the fear mongers, just like they did with the uh, poker room years ago, put out statements that if you look at them, it could be maybe they're telling the truth. And what they said was this Orange Park Plaza was going to bring crime. Uh, it was going to lower their property values. And in fact, um, and you didn't ask me yet, but I'm sure you will, about the Planning and Zoning Commission. Right. Board. You can't use those as reasons for denial. It's not legally right. You can't do it. And they did. And then they get scared. And the people that maybe they're retired, maybe they're two family work uh, family, maybe their kids are in sports and activities, they don't get to listen or come to meetings. So they hear these false statements over and over, and they take on a bit of truth after a while. Right. And I understand that. 
Do you think uh, my impression, and I'm curious as to yours, my impression is that even the folks that are saying things that aren't true about it, I think most of them genuinely believe what they're saying, but they are misinformed about at least some of the things that they're saying. Do you, do you feel like most of the people are, they believe what they're saying even though they're wrong? A good portion of them, yes. Yeah, but there's a portion, I mean, you know, I think there's a portion that... No. Yeah, so, you know. Um, you know, and, and I think in any conversation about something like this uh, or, or even all sorts of different things, there's going to be a small contingent of people that will never be pleased with what happens. Um, you know, the, if you had left that property sitting vacant and ratty looking, um, they would complain that it, that it looks bad, right? Like they would, and, and, you know, and that's just one of the things like people aren't going to be happy. You can't please everybody. Um, uh, you know, I even, somebody mentioned somewhere in one of the Orange Park Hub posts about, um, they wanted me to give you grief that one of your campaign signs is sitting in a grassy place that's near the Orange Park Plaza, and why didn't Roland have somebody go mow the grass before he put his campaign sign there? This is the sort of, like I don't know how to, I don't know how to have a dialogue with that person. Like you know I, I you know if I was living in the neighborhood adjacent to the Orange Park Plaza, the the concerns that he, people have about traffic, the concerns that people have about the height of the building in comparison to the they're looking down at their backyards, those things I get. Those concerns I get. I also have concerns about the the things that have happened with some of the folks that you felt didn't act in good faith in terms of what they were saying, how that might worry people about bringing legitimate concerns forward. Right. And, and, and that's I, true. I, I get, I get some of that stuff, but I don't get the stuff where people, you know, th this one lady said that she knows that apartments bring crime. So my next follow-up was, okay, show me the data. Like, show me where you get that. Help me understand, help me see it from your perspective that that's the case. Um, you know, like my, my mother is looking for, uh, a, she's looking to downsize, right? She had some property out in Middleburg. She wanted to get a smaller place. We looked in Orange Park. We couldn't find anything because there aren't, there aren't small housing. There aren't small condos. There aren't a lot of them. There's some, there's not a lot of them for people like her who have money and would be a good neighbor, would be a good tenant, would be somebody you want to have living in your town. There's not that sort of housing. So if you're not going to let the Orange Park Plaza or things like that come in, and build those sorts of, of, you know, places where people like my mom, who she doesn't want a house. She doesn't want to deal with a yard. She doesn't deal with all that stuff. She wants a place that, that's a lot just, of people. yeah. You, if you don't want those people to come in, you know, I, I think you're cutting out a, you know, if you, there are people that want to live here that want to be a part of what's going on in Orange Park, but not everybody wants to have a huge house on the river. God love them. Like, you know, you know, more power to you if you can afford that, but not everybody can afford that. And the thing that I think is a shame is that some folks equate, not being able to afford, you know, a three hundred, four hundred, five hundred thousand dollar house with someone who is not a good person, not a good neighbor, and is going to make your neighborhood worse. And that's not, you know, you, how much money you have to buy a house does not naturally equate to how good of a person or good of a neighbor you are or not. Um, but but all this is to say, I just think there's people that will will never be pleased, uh, no matter what you do. Now I. This, Traffic studies. Talk to me about that. Somebody said something about a traffic study should have been done before anything was approved. Is that the case? And, and did a traffic study get done on the Orange Park Plaza? If the people that were making the noise and the false statements had asked for and or read the packet that the town had, yes, there was a traffic study done. In fact, that night at the Kennel Club, a traffic engineer was there okay. to speak to anybody that wanted to talk to him. Anybody. 
And uh, yes, there was even a more in-detail study done afterwards because the people that were building that are going to build it, they didn't want to have an entrance or exit off Orange Avenue. They felt it would hurt the neighborhood and cause problems. So they wanted to expand the turning lane off Kingsley, widen it, get the state to approve, and the state said they would, and they would lengthen the lane so more cars can get in line to turn left into the plaza, which would eliminate having to use Orange Avenue, and they asked the nursing home next door to them if they could buy part of their land and driveway to make it another exit right. out of it. And you mentioned something about looking down three stories. This is another, I guess they just didn't look at it. The tree canopy is 60 feet tall between the properties. Now, three stories is not 60 feet. Another lie. And as a matter of fact, I, I don't you think there would have been a little, I mean, the trees aren't necessarily going to cover everything. They're, 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 I can understand asking that question. Like, you know, now what, what I see with that question, I don't mean to cut you off, but, but I, I think it's an important point to make what I see with that question. And with many of these other questions, here's, here's the rub, I think, and people don't want to admit it and, and no one will ever say this. People don't like the thought of there being a thing there. They just don't want it. That's true. They don't like it. They I don't want it. it. And that's their right to like or dislike it. But but people are, to me, there are some people who have legitimate concerns. I think, you know, there's some people that have legitimate concerns about um, how their voices were heard and whether or not they felt like they were listened to. I think there's actually more legitimate concerns there in some of the interactions between uh, town some. council and, and some of the people than there are about the development itself. There comes a point in time where, just like you said, the property owner has the right to do within the bounds of the law what he wants to do with the property. The Orange Park Plaza, unless something wild happens and the funding just falls through the floor and this litigation drags on forever, Orange Park Plaza is coming. It's coming. Like, it's coming. Like, they, you know, you can get on board with it. You can make the best of it. We also have a hot housing market. And and I hate to say this, and people are going to think, again, you know, you and I discussed briefly before we started that people are going to think that that I'm your best friend because I'm not coming in here and just saying, hey, Roland, you're a jerk face, and I hate you, and everyone hates you, and here's why everyone hates you. But it's also a hot housing market. If you hate the development that's coming so much that you just can't stand it, you have the option to sell your place and go somewhere else. You honestly do. Like, if I can't stand where I live to the point because of the First Coast Expressway coming in, I can explore other options of other places to live. At some point, like, you can't you can't expect the world to stop. And this is a countywide problem, Roland. People oh, have is. said to me all it the time, is. Josh, you've got to figure out how do we stop all the growth. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah. You, it, It's going to come. It's the natural extension with the... the St. John's County is having the same problem. People are eking. People come to to Duval slash Jacksonville, and listen. You know, I love certain parts of Jacksonville, but there's a reason I don't live inside of Duval County. Duval County sucks in a lot of ways. People see that Duval County isn't that great, and they look at places like Clay County, especially with the schools, and St. John's County even more so with the schools, and they say, "Holy cow, that's true." I could go live there, and the only part that would suck now is I have to drive a little farther, you know? So if you are listening to this podcast episode or any other podcast episode, or you're interacting with me and you want to come to me and say, Hey, we got to stop all the growth. I got nothing for you. Like you're not going to stop the growth. Now, can you look at ways to manage it effectively and manage it smartly? Absolutely. So the last thing I want to talk about with this is the planning and zoning board, the actual, the, the, 
I want to set this up for you, and you tell me if you disagree. Here's what I understand happened there. The Planning and Zoning Commission Board, whatever they're called, had a very narrow scope of what they could consider in terms of accepting or rejecting the Orange Park Plaza, right? They had to look at certain criteria, and I'll let you talk about what that criteria was. And it appears even to me, a person who doesn't live here, that they may have stepped outside of that criteria in making their decision on whether to accept or reject the the plan when they voted. I forget, when was it they voted on it? Like, at some point last year, wasn't it? Yeah, it was May. I May of last year, yeah. Now, I'm no lawyer. I don't know for sure. But even me looking at it when people were upset that, that the decision was essentially overturned by town council, um, I was like, you know, they may have not done it correctly. And, it, and it's not even me personally. It's not an accusation against the human beings that are on that board. But, you know, it, if the problem, and I'll let you elaborate, the problem is it, if the zoning board goes outside of their purview in terms of the law, then it opens the town up to legal action because they have essentially discriminated against the property owner. Violated they violated rights. that property owner's rights. And the property owner can turn around and say, well, hey, guess what, town? Now I'm going to sue you because you violated my rights. And give us a little details. What what should have what should what criteria should the zoning board have used and what do you feel like they used that they shouldn't have in order to make their decision that was eventually overturned? Okay. Before I answer it, I just want to say one yeah, more thing about Clay County and the population. Clay County is now the fastest growing county in the entire state of Florida. So it's coming percent-wise from where we are now and where we're growing. Clay County is going to just explode. And it was St. John's County. Now it's Clay. And you could just see what's happened. Everything is moving north. And eventually it's going to go to the Florida-Georgia line. Right. And it's just coming. So the best thing you can do is what we are doing in Orange Park, and that is try to control the growth. Right. To make it good growth. Now, planning and zoning, and you would think, because some of the opponents on this are former councilmen and two former mayors, you would think they'd know that a planning and zoning board is a quasi-legal entity. On that board, every meeting sits an attorney to give them legal guidance sits the town planner to give them information on what's going on. And we even had a lawyer on the planning and zoning board. However, they chose to not listen to the town planner who started that meeting off that says we're going to be voting tonight. And he said, you have the staff report you can listen to the audio anytime you want. Go online. The staff report is we approve this project. That meant it meant the land development regulations, and it met the zoning requirements uh, on the top half of the property. And the comp plan, that is filed with the state of Florida. You can't do anything that goes outside of LDR and goes outside the comp plan. You cannot do it. And for those people not to know it, it does show you, did they really belong on the, on the uh, council? 
I mean, I'm sitting here telling I don't think so. If you don't know what your job is, don't do it. Yeah. But, in, and see, here's the thing, and I want you to know. I'm not your regular politician, and I don't like that word either. Uh, I do things because I want to do the right things, and I'm not as politically correct as a lot of people because I'll call it for what it is. I'll answer any question you want. I'll get any facts you want but I am not going to play political games with anybody. So when this planning commission that night board was told by the uh, town planner, you are voting tonight on, and he spelled it out. Then they started asking the developer questions and the public speak. 27 people, I believe, in that meeting that night spoke against the development. Seven spoke in favor of it. During that couple of hours, the town attorney twice came out of the dais, off the dais, and went to the podium and said, you are, you are voting on, and he spelled it out to them. And here's the three key words. The state the rules, the law, the ethics says you must have competent, factual evidence for why you vote for or against something like this. And it even says in the ethics training that we all took that you cannot use public opinion to make your decision on this type of uh, vote. And it even says in there, if somebody comes in and says you're going to overcrowd the schools, are they an expert? If anybody says, is it going to cause too much traffic, are they an expert? If they say the value of my property is going to go down, are they a financial expert? Is crime going to go up? Are they an expert? That's why they do this. As was said, you have to allow the property owner his rights. And his rights are, if he meets all the requirements, what the planning and zoning board should have done that night was they should have done what council did to correct their mistakes. And that was ask for concessions and negotiate, knowing what could go in there and what we'd like to see, and meet somewhere in the middle to make it palatable to the majority of the people. And they did not. And yes, I told them they made a mistake. Council, under the state statute, is supposed to call a special meeting. And they're supposed to question the P&Z members. And if the council feels that it was done wrong, we can dismiss them. Otherwise, they're on there for the length of their appointments. And we didn't. Council chose not to. Not me. I said, you made a mistake. Not even a mistake. You said in your decision, two of the board members said in their decisions, 27 people came before us tonight. They don't want it, and I'm listening to the people. Now, that's paraphrasing, but that's pretty much what was said. They put us in a legal predicament where, now think about it, it's a $70 million project at that time. The amount of profit that's going to bring that developer over the many, many, many years are hundreds of millions of dollars. He even said 
at that meeting. His attorney was there. And he said the next day to the town, if this isn't corrected, I'm suing. Yeah. So what did council have to do? We had to put it on our agenda and we had to fix the problem. Right. And when we fixed the problem, the same people, and again, two former public officials said what we did was wrong. Again, they obviously didn't know what they were doing. So I then went to council and I said, we need to educate all of our committee and all our board members as to what are their responsibilities and what is the due diligence they need to perform. We hired somebody from the Florida League of Cities and from Florida University to come to our town two times and train the board members. And guess what was said to them? Competent, factual evidence and not right. public opinion. I don't know how much clearer it could have been. And if people would have listened to that or met with me privately or publicly, excuse me, they would have known that what we did is, and I'm proud of what council did to get nine concessions and make it the best of a situation that, given my way to, I'd like everything to remain the same forever, but it can't. It, right. So you control the change. So, yes, that was critical, and, and, and that's what really set off that special interest group against me and why I've had to... Um, try and make it right. And I'm thankful for this forum. And I've had four forums recently that as a candidate, I was asked to attend and I'm not kidding you. I'm the only one that went to all four. Yeah. I, you, yeah, yeah I, I've been to a couple of those and, and I, I was shocked to see that the candidates uh, aren't showing up. Uh, I did talk to a couple of them and I'm not going to say who they are because they didn't give me permission to go on the record with their name, but their, their thoughts on some of those that, they were part too partisan. They, they wanted to do events where anybody could come. And I guess some of those events, the organizers said, no, if you're not part of a particular party or group, you can't show up and, and hear them talk. So, but, but even so, you know, your opponent came on the show. Uh, I'm sure you know that yes. uh, and talked to him and, and, and you know, I, I try to have conversations with people. Um, you know, I, I think people don't understand the difference between what's happening here with the Orange Park Plaza, which is somebody who owns a thing trying to do a thing with their thing, right? Like they want to, they, they, they have the right to do what they want with their property. They're trying to develop their property to make money. They want to make a profit off the property they own, which every property owner in the universe wants to do. Um, and there's a difference between that though and like a ordinance that the town's going to pass, right? So if the town council arbitrarily decided that red bicycles were more dangerous than all other bicycles and they said, we're going to pass a law that says, can't have a red bicycle in the town of Orange Park or we'll throw you in jail. The members of the town, the people who live here, could show up and say, this is stupid. Don't do this. This is a terrible law. We hate this law. And the town council can take into consideration public opinion on an ordinance that they want to pass. This is different Correct. because Correct. In th at that point, you're not saying to somebody who owns a property <clears throat> that is in compliance with all the laws that are in place that, you know, you're not violating someone else's rights by listening to those people. Uh, you know, so I, I think people conflate the two. They think, well, 
if we can voice our opinion and tell town council not to do a thing with laws or regulations, that we can voice our opinion and tell town council to not let a property owner exercise their property rights. And you can't. You can't do that. You don't want – let me just tell you, as a person who is vehemently – in support of, of property rights. Property rights form the basis of all other rights. Uh, you can't, you don't want a government that is going to infringe on people's rights. Um, you know, and I'm not saying you want to let people do anything they want all the time with their stuff. Like there, there's limits to everything. I, I think you could sort of argue, but you, you don't want a government that can come in and tell you that you can't do something with the property that you own. Right. right. Um, you know, I, I like, I'll tell you a thing I think is not good that the town of Orange Park does. Right. And I'm not expecting you to defend it or, or own it because you're just one council member. I think it's stupid that you guys have a law that tells people they can't park their car in their yard. I think that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I think you guys wait yeah, to me. That's just like, that's the, that to me is an example of, of nitpicky nanny governance that I hate right now. If you were to tell people they can't park in the street, which I think they're, there might also be ordinance in, in the town where you can't do that either. That makes sense because you don't want a bunch of people parked in the street and your fire truck's trying to get down to a burning house, right? You could make, Correct. yeah, but someone parks a car in their yard, yeah, their yard, let them do what they want, right? So, but, but again, all that is to say there's a difference between <coughs> the zoning board. The zoning board's job is to say, hey, does this development, this the thing, meet all the re- legal requirements. If so, they, right. their advice to the council is, yes, they meet all the requirements. Now, their advice to the council can be, yes, they meet all the requirements. We have approved it. But we would also recommend to you that you may want to go back to them and tell them some of the concerns that the people have. They can take that into account in their exactly. advisement to you guys, exactly. but they cannot deny it exactly. based on, on – and I think, you know, I think that's what maybe people aren't getting. I don't know. I don't want to speak for everybody. I don't speak for the people in the town. I don't live in Orange Park. It's not my not my circus, not my monkeys to an extent, right? But but I think uh, you know I, I would hope that people listening to this have a clearer picture of of you know of that. Um, you know, uh, I don't know, man. Like it just it, it's frustrating to me being on the outside of it. Um, I have given an open invitation to many people who are detractors of the project to come in. You know, we can do a Zoom call. I can come to them. Come, let's do an episode. You come and walk me through what your concerns are. To this day, nobody wants to do it. Nobody wants to go on the record and have their voice be heard and allow me, I guess, the ability to ask them questions that they don't want to answer. Um, but I think it is partly because I, I just think a lot of people don't like it. Now, there are some, and they know who they are, and I've had direct communications with them that I think are thinking about things logically, and, and they're trying to voice legitimate concerns. But I think there's a lot of them that, like I said, I think it really boils down to they just don't want it. And, and I don't think there's anything that you, Roland, or anybody else could say to them that's going to change your mind on it. But, you know, it's sort of, at this point, it kind of is what it is, you know? I don't know how you feel about it, but I, I don't yeah, I, it's like... Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And, and again, part of it, too, is I have a delivery, and I'm the first one to admit it. My delivery sometimes could be pretty strong. Yeah, did you use the word nimrods to describe people? Because somebody now, said that to me. Somebody wrote that to me oh, okay. and said they are nimrods. Now, some people have said I've used other words. I love the word nimrod, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's so it's so mean, and you can't really yeah. use it, because it. but it's just such yeah. a great word because nobody uses yeah. it. No, I'll, I'll admit to, ask me any word if, you, if I would have said it, I'll admit to which words I've said. Right. I have been pretty strong on some of my 
words and my stance on things. Do you regret any of that? Do you, do you think, do you, do you, yeah. do you think maybe there, I, I think one of the things I see with the Orange Park Plaza and, and, and maybe some other stuff too, is that there probably was some opportunity for people to communicate better. I think, you know, including fo- me. Inclu- you, and, but also other people, right? I think it, it's a, what I see is I think what you see a lot in our uh, modern times, people just want to win the fight. They, they want to get in a fight. They want to win the argument. They want to win at all costs. They don't care if they have to tear you down. They don't care if I, you know, and I, I, I don't think that's rarely ever healthy, right? I have a policy on, on Facebook. If you come at me with some nonsense and you want to argue, first thing I do is I look at your profile. And if you have some random painting or drawing and there's no pictures of you or your family and there's no content on your page, I just block you. Like, I'm not going to argue with the, an anonymous human being. Now, if you look like a real person that actually wants to have a conversation, you know, we, we, we'll we tussle a little bit. And I have the same problem you have, Roland. My delivery, people don't like it. People, you know, people take it the wrong way. But uh, do, you, do you, you know, it sounds like I, I can sort of see in your face when I'm talking about it that you, that I think if Roland had a very honest moment, he would say that, that, he probably would phrase some things differently in terms of delivery and the way he talked about some of the stuff with certain, with certain folks. Did you yes. say that's accurate? Yeah. Yes. It, it definitely, I did get frustrated with it and I, I, I should have been a little more um, softer in my presentation. Yeah. yeah. And, and I wasn't, I've, I've, I've never been again, running my own business and having to write my own paycheck and having, you know, 30 people responsible and families. I'm responsible for them and their families when I had the business. Uh, it it made me, doing that for over 30 years, I became very much independent. Right. And and, and now looking back, yes, I would have said some things differently. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't think people understand, too, some of these decisions are hard. Like they're not Very easy hard. decisions. You know, I, I can see being a council person and even some of the stuff that county commissioners, like they, they are narrowly boxed in on their decisions. You, there are a lot of times you're having to approve a thing that you th- personally don't want to see happen, but you don't have the legal ground. You don't have the authority legally to, to say no. Um, would you, do you, do you worry that some of those interactions have made people hesitant to come to you with legitimate concerns? I I think because of my delivery to some people who then have repeated that I was a little gruff right with them and and and, and there is some truth in that um, could make somebody be a little hesitant like geez I don't want to get into a confrontation with right. him and and yeah, I believe that could happen. I would hope it wouldn't happen. I would hope that all the letters I put out all year long, I mean, here's what I've had. I, I've had anywhere from as few as maybe a dozen, dozen and a half to the biggest meeting I had was 87. Right. And there are residents and I talk about things taking place. What would you like us to look into? What would you like us to do? Because you said something that sometimes we have to do things that we may not be in favor of. And I think that's a really tough, tough decision for council people to do is to have to vote on what's the best for the most. Right. 
whether you like it or not. And then I think we as public officials, we have some of the same um, negatives that I say the public has, and that is we don't get all our facts all the time. And, I, and I've said it on the dais to my fellow councilmen. Did you read this? Have you studied this? Right. And because I am a firm believer in that if you don't like the amount of meetings we have, if you don't like how long the meetings go on, you don't like all the committees, then you chose the wrong job. Because yeah, I, and, and you can't have it both ways, too. You can't, you know... Right. People, people, people complain when there's too many meetings and the meetings are too long. But then, if you don't do that, they say, "Well, they they don't give us enough chance to to you know to yeah. talk about things." And it, from both sides, from both the elected officials and and you know yeah. the people that are you know the general citizenry. But I don't know, man. Like it, uh, that's why you know my core tenant that government is sort of a racket anyway. It comes into play yeah. with a lot of this stuff. But no. but what I tell people all the time: people want perfection out of government. And it's not going to happen because people aren't perfect. That's right. There, there is, you know, there, there just isn't. <laughs> there, there are no perfect human beings walking on this earth. And that's why I'm such, I personally, you know, and I'm not saying that you're this way or asking for you to wade into these waters. I'm a proponent of very small, very limited government because if it is limited, it only has so much power and it can only do so much harm. So even if you have the, the most incompetent of your citizenry in charge of your government, if it has limited power and scope, there's only so much they can do that wouldn't be good. You can't right? mess it up too yeah, bad. Yeah, you can't mess it up too bad, right? So, yeah. um, can, I, can I say one more thing? Yeah. Now? If, if the people listening to this, uh, those that know me know I've said this, and, and I'd like you to think about it, and if you agree with it, come to council, tell them, write an email. I believe when people come to counsel and they come and speak before us that we should answer them and i have brought that up i am not kidding you yeah. I'll, I'll bet you five times yep and my fellow council people believe that we need to sit there in the public portion of the meeting listen to what you say and then call the next one up yep. and that's it i believe if we could answer your question or tell you that or concerned as you are and we're going to look into it and we'll get back to you i think that's part of the reason the public has distrust of council yeah people tend to view you guys the same way they view the school board the school board has a policy where they actually can answer the school board oh. will tell you that they can't they refuse to do it so what certain members refuse to do it um but i, I think that's absolutely a good idea i per here's my two cents people people want to complain that you guys have too many meetings um you know, the, the Orange Park Town Council, I think you guys would do better. Uh, I think you guys would be well served and, and it's going to, you know, you'd have to deal with some of the, the what I call the goobers that are going to come in and ask wild questions. But I think you guys would be well served to have sort of a town hall meeting where there's nothing there's nothing on the docket. Come talk to us. Yes. Tell us tell us what you're worried about. Tell us what you're concerned about and make it so that, you know, even if you did it at town hall, like so that you guys can respond and say, Hey, I, I hear you. Or, Hey, you just told me a thing. I didn't know. I'm going to look into that. I had no idea people were worried about, you know, X, Y, and Z. I, I, I wonder if, you know, but the problem is I'll give you a little example. The problem is, and I keep cutting you off and I'm sorry. No, no. Uh, the problem is even I have seen this. I am not an elected official. I'm not going to run for office. You couldn't, couldn't, couldn't pay me enough money in the world to be part of government. 3,500. <laughs> no, man, not enough. It is not, not nearly enough. Um, 
I organized a thing where the school board was doing a thing about 18 months ago, did a Facebook event, had people organized. People were coming, hundreds of people supposedly coming home. Guess how many showed up, Roland? None. Me. I was it. I was the only guy that showed up. I don't know how to help people sometimes, right? They say they want input. They say they want they, they want to do these things, you know, and I say these ideas like, well, we should have a town hall, but when any of them show up, I don't know. Maybe they would, maybe they wouldn't. Well, you know what I found, and I've asked for this. I want to do more workshops because when you do a workshop, it's, yes, like it's much more said. open. It's much, yes. Yeah. And, and, and council as a whole doesn't like doing that. And what I keep telling my fellow council people, again, it's on the record. When I ran for council, the application I filled out didn't say what the hours were. Right. So if you don't like it, then maybe you're in the wrong job. Right. And I've said that. To and I think them. you have, I, I think that local government has an obligation to do it outside of business hours. Like the school board, they love to do workshops. Guess when they do them? Maybe 10 o'clock on a Tuesday. Yeah. I, you know, people have to work. <laughs> like I have, I, this is not my job. It doesn't pay my bills. Like I have things to do during yeah. the day. I can't drop what well, I'm doing to come tell government well, that they're stupid and doing the, doing the wrong yeah. thing. Like in the middle of a work day. Well, you know what I think Josh too, when you say people don't show up, I think the culture and this is why I love Orange Park, because we are small yep. and limited government. I think the culture in general of politics is that nobody listens, nobody cares, nobody responds. Yeah, everybody and, wants to win. They don't want to hear what the other guy has right. to say. And over many, many years, we become to believe that it doesn't matter anymore. But it does. And if, if this town, and this is what I was saying before, if any of you out there write your councilman, Write a letter. State that you would like to be, when you address us, you would like us to address you back yeah. and, and, and respond to you and tell you we'll deal with it at a different time or we'll look into it. I, I have never been part of a public body. I have never been part of a private body that does not respond to the people that bother to take the time to come before us to tell us their concerns. I, I think, I think wrong. yeah, you know, um, I don't think all your council members are going to respond. There, there's one in particular who was appointed recently. Don't give your opinion. I'm not asking you to wait into those waters, but, but, uh, but, uh, I think there's one, you know, one in particular that, that doesn't respond to anything. And there's a couple others who I don't think are really responsive either, but I, I think, People should reach out to their elected officials. And if you reach out to your elected official and you call and you email and you try to get, uh, you know, time on their calendar and have a meeting with them and they never respond to you, I think you should blast them. You should light them up on social media. You should say, hey, I've been, here's all the receipts I have for all these calls I've made, all these emails I've sent. I get nothing from this guy. And you should let your fellow citizens know when they don't respond. But I, I think you will find, you know, not all, but there are people like Roland whether you agree with Roland's decisions or not, if you call Roland and you want to talk to Roland, Roland will talk to you. I don't live in the town of Orange Park, and Roland has talked to me more than any other politician I have ever dealt with uh, doing this podcast and just being a citizen. Like, the, the man will talk to you about what he thinks. He will tell you, and there's other people in the county also that will do that, but there's some that won't, and I think, you know, you gotta you got you to gotta put some of those people on blast. Uh, I'll save the names of the... Orange Park Council, who don't do that for a different episode, so I don't get Roland in trouble with his fellow no, council members. I've told him that, and I've said there's a rule that council just revised where we're limited now to five minutes to respond to the people in council. Right. And the joke among all of us is that that's Roland rule. Huh. Well, because, you know, hey, you because know. Because Roland would take the time 
to address people at the end of a meeting or yeah. what they said in the beginning. And sometimes that took longer than five minutes. They don't like it. Yeah, I will just tell you, so. without naming any specific names, if you're listening to this podcast, I have reached out personally to every member of the Orange Park Town Council, the past members and present members, two people have ever responded to me. One of them is Roland and the other one is Connie Thomas. They're the only two people who took time out of their day. And, and listen, I don't live in Orange Park. And I start my conversations like, hey, I don't live in Orange Park, but I got questions. You, do you want to talk to me? And, and both of those people. But the other ones, the, you know, your current sitting council members, people of Orange Park, you're, everyone's upset with Roland. And I get some of your gripes. I, he will talk to you. You should be upset with your other council members. And this is my opinion, not Roland's opinion. Roland's looking at me, making sure I'm saying that. And, and not, this is not Roland's opinion. You, you should be upset with the fact that your other council members don't seem to be nearly as bought in to the future of the town of Orange Park at face value on, on you know, from the surface as Roland does and love him, hate him, disagree with him, whatever. Roland, Roland, I get the impression from Roland. He loves the town of Orange Park. He loves living here. And it seems to me like Roland is trying to do what he thinks is best. And, you know, you can disagree with what Roland does, but, you know, I, I don't know how you could ever say Roland's not responsive. I'm transparent. Yeah, like, you know, I don't, I don't get some of the people's complaints. All right, so we've talked a lot about yes. a lot of different things. I want to give you one last opportunity, and, I, and I'm going to hold you to this time frame. I want you to give me your 30-second elevator pitch to the people of Orange Park that why they should vote for you for re-election on eight was April thirteenth. April thirteenth. April thirteenth. All right, thirty second elevator pitch. Go, Roland. I I am asking for your support because I have demonstrated over these three years I have initiated more Orange Park um, changes to take place, uh, conditional uses, ordinances, changes in the comp plan, the LDR. And I'll say this, and I'm pretty sure I'm correct on this, than all the rest of council put together. And it's not because I'm like some kind of uh, super being. It's just because I have the time and I have the passion right. to do it. And I've done a lot of good for a lot of the people, and I would like to continue with some of the projects that I've started and I do have several new ones that all of you will know if I'm reelected because I'll put out a notice to all of you. And I do believe I could do a good job for all of you. Awesome. Roland, thank you. This You're is welcome. the longest interview. You've made a record, the longest interview in the history <laughs> of my podcast. And that's, but that's okay. I think it, you know, I think it's good. And, you know, hopefully people listen to it. I'm, I'm going to put it up, uh, you know, pretty shortly here and, uh, you know, shout out to everybody who sent in a question. No, I did not get to all of your questions, partly because some of your questions were rude. Um, some of your questions were not questions and other questions are just ones that weren't productive. Right. So I tried to get everything I could or at least encompass everybody's ideas in, in the things that Roland and I talked about. Um, but, uh, you know, if you're interested in more information on Roland, he is not a hard man to find. Um, and I will put in the show notes links to his um, his information where you can reach out to him if you have any additional questions. All right. Thanks again, Roland. Thank you.